What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where I am joined by the the top rune dog of all the rune dogs, Coach Rooney. Coach Rooney, you're in Boston. You're in the hotel shacking it up again. How are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm good. I'm vibes on um, some good vibes on the internet for the hotel because you never know. But uh, yeah, uh, the, the fabulous rune dogs were still scouting. Um, had a wonderful day. Saw on Twitter that my old college coach, Pat Murphy, is going to be the new manager of the Brewers. And I kind of didn't expect that. I just figured he would get, you know, I don't know. It's like you sometimes it's safer to think the negative outcome and then be pleasantly surprised. And that's what I was. So, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, cool day. Yeah, no, no complaints from Coach Rooney today. We'll take this day all day long. The the pipeline from knowing Mike Rooney to becoming manager of the Brewers is just ever growing. I am the actual whole reason behind this podcast is so one day I can manage the Brewers. I believe you're on track. Yeah, because you played with Craig Council, right? Yeah, Stephen. I think about this. Like, so my four years in Notre Dame, there was five of us that played all four years, and I'm very proud. Like, I am proud of all my teammates. I love all my teammates, like you do too. But in my class, you know, like that's special. We were there together for five years. And so, you know, Pat Murphy was our coach and that was epic. Craig Council, manager of the Cubs now. Corey Mee was the head coach at University of Toledo. Now he's an assistant coach at Western Michigan. Joe Binkowitz is a doctor, Dr. Binkowitz. (laughs) Danny Bouch, my roommate, investment banker. And then, you know, I've I've outdone them all. I'm co-hosting the Shock Factor podcast. So... (laughs) You know, deal with that, people. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You essentially got a whole Rotary Club, just any service you'd ever need. I feel like you have a connection to it from that class. But but getting right into it, you texted me that you wanted to start off this episode with a bit of a story. And I've been on the edge of my seat waiting for this. So Okay. So, and I, Stephen, I apologize if you've already heard this one, because I have told this story before, but... I like my like I said, I, I in all seriousness, my heart is full today to see our coach Pat Murphy be named coach of the Brewer. He has had this incredible career. He's got a thousand college wins. You know, he was fired from Arizona State in two thousand nine around Thanksgiving, right around this time, actually. It's crazy to think about that. And um, you know, he in in theory he was gonna coach at Arizona State forever and win national titles and he had to start his career over in professional baseball. And I remember Murph was very animated and almost like a football coach. And I remember back in the day, people would zing him and say, oh, that would never work in pro ball, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's been in professional baseball now. This is going to be his 15th season coming up. And for him to get a chance to manage the big leagues, he got to do an interim manager job with the Padres. But, like, to get a, you know, like a real shot like this, um, you know, Coach Murphy was controversial He was awesome in a million different ways. I loved playing for him, but I I always tell the story. He was that coach, Stephen, where really challenging when you played for him, but do anything when you, um, you know, when you're gone, you know, and my whole broadcasting career is compliments of coach Murphy, like you and me being on these, (laughs) these, this podcast, when in 2005, I had left coaching back then it was pre college baseball on TV all the time in the regular season. We had had, we'd get one game per year on TV, Arizona versus Arizona state versus Arizona. It would be on Fox sports, Arizona. And, um, the game was going to be played in Tempe. I'm not coaching anymore. I'm just a normal schmo. 
And um, Murph calls the Fox Sports Arizona television people, and he says, hey, I've got your analysts for this year's game. <laughs> and the TV people are like, coach, great to hear from you. Um, that's awesome. That's actually not how it works. <laughs> Coaches don't pick the announcers. The, the, the actual the television company picks the announcers. Um, but, we, you know, we appreciate your input. And, um, yeah. And, and Murph's like, okay, great. So it's Mike Rooney. He's going to be the analyst and um, just, you know, really excited for that. And, and you just tell, tell me what details I need to give runes and, and done. And they're, and, and again, like they're reiterating coach, like that's not like, you don't get to pick the announcer. That's and Murph's just like, this is going to be awesome. Like he's just not having it right. Like they're, they're politely telling him that's, this is not how this works. You're not picking the analyst. And he's politely telling them, you, you don't, you, you don't understand. I am picking the analyst. I have picked the analyst. His name is Mike Rooney, and this conversation will be over as soon as you say back to me, Mike Rooney is the analyst. <laughs> and and Stephen, like he just would not take no. And so then I get to do that game, and this is 2005, and now I have a television reel. I have a VHS tape of me broadcasting a baseball game on television that I can send to ESPN, that I can send to any other company. And you, you know how this goes. Like, until you get that first game uh, and you have a recording of it, every entity is going to say, Stephen, great. You sound really interesting. Send us a tape, right? And mm -hmm. and so what's everybody say? Like, well, that's the whole point. I don't have a tape. I got nothing. to. So anyway, I, I owe that to Murph. It was vintage Murph where it's just like, there's, you know, there's always a way. And he was going to find it. And, you know, I am so grateful for all of my experiences with Murph. I have so much gratitude, but that one is so tangible to me. And for him to be named manager of the Brewers today, again, my cup is absolutely full today. No, that's awesome. I had never heard that story. I didn't know that's how you got your foot in the door with broadcasting. But you're absolutely right. Like the amount of people I talk to because... You know, I've been looking to do broadcasts from time to time just because I think it's fun and our, you know, it's one of the few things I really know in this life. And every time it was just like, well, have you done it before? And it was, no. Um, but th after this one, yeah, I, I will have. <laughs> once, you know? you, once you hire me, I will have done it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's like, just trust me for like three hours. I got you. But no, that's yeah. so cool. And like, that's one of the great things about college coaches. I feel like that after you're done with your time with the program, like they still want to have a way to impact your life and to have a coach do it in that way, in a way that snowballs into a world where we get squeeze play at the end of the year. I, I, I am thankful for Pat Murphy as well. <laughs> oh, he's the greatest. I, I have so many Murph stories. I'm going to, I'm going to save other Murph stories for other podcasts, for other episodes for us. But um, yes, I, I, uh, he was, like, like Pat Murphy coming into our lives for Craig Council, for all of us. What a blessing. What a what a wild, unique, once-in-a-lifetime blessing. <laughs> it's just so cool. And I, you're talking about your heart being very full. And, of course, this weekend actually was a weekend where my heart was very full because I got the ultimate college baseball experience, which was going to a college baseball wedding. Now, Oof, love it. I, I don't mean that in terms of it was themed for college baseball. It was one of my former teammates who, you know, I was surprised I got invited because I cashed in a lot of his runs on the mound. I did not WOB for him when I should have. But never I, wobbed for him? Like never once? 
I did. I did on but, but some in some there were, circumstances there were some in Omaha. Bobs. In Omaha, I think I contributed uh, to to the mess a little bit more. But got it. I I wanted to talk about it just because I think that is probably my favorite externality of playing college baseball. There there's so many great things, but. A college baseball wedding, I, I looked at my wife and I was like, this is just a team reunion where one of our friends kisses a girl in front of us a bunch of times. <laughs> and like that's that's to bog it down. But in the simplest of terms, like I was seeing guys I hadn't seen in three or four years and just like getting to be around the guys again, it legitimately like I, I can't think of a better way to describe it. Of course, like it was really cool like seeing your teammates like emotional over another sure. guy making this decision and like just all the happiness that was there for him. But I, I think just the greatest part, it's just such a good excuse to reconnect. It's, it's honestly a class reunion at typically some wedding venue where you're going to have a great time. But this one, I, of course I was fired up to see all my teammates and it was for Zach messenger. I don't know if it's bad. Yeah bad to put out someone's name i don't i don't know about how to do it publicly but that's who was getting married it's public information you can google it but anyway so he's with the yankees right now and he invited some of his friends from affiliate ball and coach rooney i uh i had the great great fortune to meet a gentleman by the name of brandon beck at this wedding which i was not expecting to happen it, I, I think you might be muted, Coach. Oh, Brenda, Brendan Beck, the kid, the pitcher from Stanford, right-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, my uh, gosh. All-time great. He, uh, so it was very funny. He comes up to me, and he goes, hey, I'm Brandon Beck. And, like, it took me a second because, of course, it was a little bit into the night. I had, I had some juices flowing. I was feeling good. And I was taken back because, you know, I know of Brandon Beck. I know of the name. Or Brendan Beck. I know of the name. And I also played high school ball with a Brandon Beck, so that's that's why I'm gonna get the names mixed up between Brendan and Brandon. But makes sense. But I was like, oh my goodness, wait a minute! And he goes, yeah, I also didn't uh, didn't pitch too good in Omaha. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay, yes. And so it was very funny because me and him both got to reflect on that because he was like, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but sometimes. When I was thinking back, I was like, hey, at least I wasn't the guy who came in and gave up the home run. And oh, I man. and I went, no, this is great because sometimes I was like, hey, at least, you know, it could, like I didn't do the wild pitch. And like we both just laughed really hard about it. But I think my favorite part about it was my wife, who was my girlfriend back when I was in Omaha, met Brandon's girlfriend, who was his girlfriend in Omaha, too. And they got to talk about the struggles of dating a closing pitcher. And Ooh. it was just A plus, you know, banter about college baseball and insight as to what college baseball looks like just from, you know, like like Francesca, she was like, it was like the worst moment ever. And, you know, as players, we aren't really results focused most of the time. It's all process, it's all preparation. And so, like, for me, it was like, okay, well, I prepared well. You know, Tanner just hit a home run off me. That's fine. That happens. Yeah. But 
they like listening to them talk about the stress that we put them through just from us not even realizing it most of the time on the mound was, was just great stuff. So if you're ever fortunate enough to play college baseball, just know that when it's all over, you don't have to be all doom and gloom because two to three years from now, you're going to be sitting at a college baseball teammate's wedding and it's like the best time ever. Oh, no question. And in fairness, Stephen, to you and Brendan Beck, who are two of my all-time favorite college baseball pitchers, you you know, that 2021 Omaha was one of my favorite College World Series experiences. You know, the teams were amazing. And, um, you know, Chris Newell, who was at your wedding, was there. And so there was a big Malvern Prep, Newtown Edgemont contingent. But we didn't have an <laughs> Omaha in 2020, right? So it made 2021 so special. And neither Virginia nor Stanford are in that college world series without you and brendan beck i mean you know Stan that stanford team had to go to texas tech and win a super regional on the road and uh i mean you know obviously what you did in the postseason and getting up to that point and i i'll tell you a quick story Stephen, about brendan beck you know how we do those d1 baseball predictions for series <laughs> did brendan beck tell you this story <laughs> he he uh filled me in on it but go ahead and tell it because i yeah, was so, about to bring it up <laughs> so real quickly um uh his last year at stanford they were going up to play oregon and they had started to struggle a little bit for some reason and i picked stanford i just had a gut feeling and of the nine of us i was the only one that picked stanford and so they go up there and they win the series from oregon it's sunday afternoon and I am in my car. I'm driving to the the store to get something for my wife, and and I get a call from Thomas Eager, the pitching coach at at Stanford. And I'm like, man, this is really weird that I'm getting a call from a pitching coach on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, what did I say? Did I say something dumb? What did I do? What did I tweet? You know, you start to panic. And I say, Coach Eager, how are you? And he goes, Hey, can I give uh, Brendan Beck your phone number? And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I really did something wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, why, what? And he goes, the boys are jacked up that you picked them and you were the only person that picked them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys are really looking at that stuff. So <laughs> I got the coolest text from Brendan Beck about how pumped they were that I picked Stanford. And, I mean, it was it was so cool. And he's, he's just a rock star. Like, he's a big leaguer for sure to me. Oh, yeah. He's an incredible pitcher. And so he told me about that. And he goes, we aren't we still aren't really sure if he picked us because he believed in us or because he was just so far behind in points. It was kind of <laughs> like a Hail Mary. But either way, we were pumped up about we'll it. We'll take it. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> it was probably the latter, but who cares now? <laughs> no, it was just so much fun. And just reflecting on the moments was really funny. He was like, now, every now and again, I'll catch myself. He was talking to me about it and like the wild pitches. And he goes, every now and again, I'll catch myself like in warm ups playing catch. And I just throw like a perfect curveball. And I'm like, yeah, I still got it. All right, we'll nice. keep going. <laughs> it's that like, is great. That's, that's just the perfect kind of crazy you got to be to be a high level pitcher. Amen. And, that's right. I loved it. And then. So wrapping up that, so that wedding was in the Richmond area. So of course, doing the college baseball tours, I was able to stop by the University of Richmond. And let me tell you, Coach Rooney, I am very excited about just about the direction that program is heading. Um, I, do you know much about Richmond? I, it's one of the schools I'm super familiar with just because I'm in the area all the time. 
private school, right? Like not, not super massive. Is that right? Yeah, private school, not the biggest school, but honestly, like one of the prettiest campuses I've ever seen in my life. Like I believe I, it. I remember when I was in high school, I would play like summer ball and showcase tournaments at, at Richmond's field and I loved it. Like it was a great field. It I the way it's set up, it's kind of carved into a hill with the basketball arena past the right right center wall i would say and then there's mm -hmm. a big parking lot which is really good for tailgates and the parking lot like overlooks the field and then if you go past the field like down the third base past the third baseline they have this beautiful lake it's just very scenic like it's one of the only bullpens i've been in in college that has a lake view which it, it's just elite stuff you really can't beat it but i was able to kind of take a look behind the scenes there which I, I was really excited to do because you know with my tours so far i've been going to a bunch of schools that have invested money in baseball and they're at the point where they the school sees baseball can kind of be profitable it's kind of leaning that way so let's start investing in it but this is one of the good old schools that's like probably most other d1 schools in the sense that the baseball team sharing a lot of their athletic facilities with other sports which i think is a dynamic that doesn't get talked about a lot in college sports so i i was really excited to see how they do all that and they they do spend a lot for athletics at richmond like it, it's definitely something where it's not we don't have the money it's just where they allocate it right now. They're focused on the teams that have brought them a lot of attention in the past. So that's mm -hmm. all normal. And I'm not saying this to knock them in any way, but it was just so cool and so refreshing to see, you know, okay, this is our weight room, but it's also lacrosse's weight room. It's also soccer or whatever other sports on, like it's the football weight room too. And so it's massive, but it's nice. And it, it was just really cool to get a look down there. That's awesome. We, when I was at Notre Dame, Stephen, this was before the new stadium, we shared a locker room with the lacrosse team who were, are still some of my closest friends from Notre Dame. It was kind of awesome. They were complete <laughs> animals. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a cool part of the experience. I don't, I don't hate that part. Like the only thing I don't like about sharing things is I don't like like 5am weightlifting. Like that is just colossally dumb to me. Like you can barely open your eyes, but now I'm going to get stronger. No, I'm not. I'm going to lift terribly and, you know, go back to bed and probably not go to class. Right. Like if I'm being honest. So, um, but other than that, I think interacting with the other sports is actually, it's cool. I, I don't, I don't hate it. Yeah. And like, I think that's another great point is like when you have all the amenities at the stadium, like it's super nice but you don't see other athletes as much and you don't really connect with as many people on campus, I feel like, which, so that's kind of, you know, both sides of the coin. It's really convenient. You can lift anytime you want. Like when I was at UVA halfway through practice, halfway through BP, they'd just be like, okay, just go lift then. Cause we had it right there and it was super nice, but it, it was really refreshing just to get that, like, you know, taste of the mid-major back of you know the umbc yeah. days and the app state days where all of it was shared i loved it like it was so yeah. much fun so it was really cool to go go ahead and see that and that's a cool school and mick aoki i think you know he's been the head coach at boston college and he's been the head coach at notre dame he's a davidson guy like i think he's the perfect hire there um 
I think I think that's that's a really cool place where I grew up in the Philadelphia area where probably you grew up, Stephen. Richmond is a coveted school. Like that's a school that people really think highly of academically. I'll put a bow on it like with this. If you are going to have your own separate facilities, do it like South Carolina, where your weight room is so nice that you do share it because other teams are coming to your baseball weight room to use it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> that honestly, the more the merrier. That's yes. the perspective I've always subscribed to. But it, it's just such a cool little area. They got a new uh, setup in their beyond their right field wall. It's like a little perch between the the fence and the parking lot where there's benches and a little brickyard for people to watch the game they told us the very first day that they got installed they had to kick skateboarders out which oh my gosh honestly part of me wants to go install benches in random places and see if skateboarders will come because <laughs> i think skateboarding's sick um but you don't want to scratch the new benches they said they're looking to install lights too which is something they're kind of leaning on some donors to do, but they've finally been making some waves with, you know, raising that money. So I'm excited for the future with that program. Love it. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Now, I wanted to kind of move along and get into a topic of the first baseball we're going to see come, come springtime which is the preseason out-of-conference baseball. It's a, it's a weird time, and it's a time where I feel like you can learn a lot about coaches and kind of just their thoughts on their teams because I always viewed it this way. If a team, if a really good team schedules a really easy team week one, that is a, a confidence booster for their team. It's either... They got a young team that, you know, it can be an established team. Sometimes these schedules are made way in advance. But I always kind of saw it as, okay, we got a young team. We got a lot of new guys that need to get their feet wet. Let's do it in an environment where, you know, you can get their confidence up. Coach Rooney, is that something you ever thought of? Like just between scheduling the hard teams early or kind of leaning into what you're going to do college baseball-wise? Yeah, I think, man, it's, I'll, I'll tell you, Stephen, scheduling is one of the worst jobs in college baseball and college sports. I remember one year when we were at Arizona State, Coach Murphy, you know, like he was really good about delegating and giving out responsibility. And he said, Runes, you're going to be in charge of the schedule. And literally a year Oof. and a half later, I said, I said, uncle, I said, coach, I was so embarrassed, but I was like, I got to do this or I'm going to just die. I said, coach, I can't do the schedule anymore. I can't like, it was so bad. It was so, it was so awful. Like you get a yes, then it's a no. Then you finally get a school to say yes. And then I go back to Murph and he's like, I changed my mind. It was like, it was like, it was like writing a, it was like, you know, running a dating app. It was so bad. It was so <laughs> terrible. So I don't remember your question, Stephen, but I will tell you this, that now in our world scheduling, this is one of my favorite things to do is schedules are coming out now. Right. And at some point in the next 30 to 45 days, I will get a new uh, note on my, my notes app on my phone and I will put in the first five weekends of the season and I will put all the places that I could potentially go. And, you know, living in Arizona, we're lucky, like we'll have a surprise tournament, Arizona State, Arizona, Grand Canyon. Um, you know, there might be some of these events in Texas. And that is the most fun is just like creating my own college baseball menu and then thinking <laughs> about where I could potentially go. Maybe I go to California. I mean, oh, man, that is good living right there. 
No, that sounds like an absolute blast. And it sounds like you are on the fun side of scheduling now. You have made it past yeah. the sift and 180 through. degrees. Yes. Yeah. I, I always just, so my freshman year at App State, I took a class that was taught by the former athletic director. I don't remember the name of the class. It was probably sports marketing. But he was talking and he was like, yeah, every year I would ask the coach at the start of the season, are, are we young this year or old this year? And if we were young, it was like, okay, we're going to schedule the worst team we could find. If they're old and established, it's like, okay, we'll schedule someone who's kind of the same caliber, kind of test out what we got. But I, I just love the pre-conference play because it's kind of all – all rules are thrown out the window. It's just, it's the time where it's F you, we ball or F you, we do not ball. Uh, <laughs> which I, I think it's such a beautiful time, but kind of leaning into you making your menu. I want to give you a challenge here where I'm yes. going to list out a few of the preseason kind of out of conference tournaments that are going on in the first couple of weeks of college baseball. Okay. And now, these aren't all coinciding the same weekend, so it is possible to make it to multiple. But I want to do this hypothetical where you only have one tournament you can go to, one Uno. ticket to ride out of okay. these, one, two, three, out of five. Okay. So the first one is going to be Round Rock, where you okay. have Kentucky, Kansas, Washington State, and Texas State. Okay. So for this one, I like it because a lot of the mascots kind of align with each other. I could see these mascots fighting. We got a lot of cats, one bird. That's important yes. to note. Uh, will the bird come out on top? Huge for the avian population. Yeah. That bird <laughs> better get airborne fast. I don't – because cats got a little elevation too. Like they can they can get airborne too. That I don't like the bird's chance. Uh, <laughs> Jay, Jayhawk does have a little hawk in them, but – I love that tournament. I don't like the Jayhawks chances. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So the next one we got, and this is one I'm, I think is going to just be so cool. I think it's cool every year. It's the Astros foundation classic where this year they have LSU Vanderbilt, Texas, Texas state, the university of Houston and the university of Louisiana at Lafayette. Wow. Okay. So that one, of course, a few more teams, but LSU just... and Vandy. Plus, it's indoors, so you get you know it's at Minute Maid, right? So mm -hmm. you know you have no weather issues. That is very attractive. Plus, I love all the highlights from that tournament. I remember two years ago there was Ivan Melendez home run that mm -hmm. was hit there. It was the loudest home run I think I've ever seen a recording of. But it came at a perfect time because the MLB lockout was going on and everyone was like, man, I miss baseball highlights. And it was like, okay, here's a baseball highlight in an MLB stadium of a guy hitting the train tracks in Houston. Super cool. Super great. Give me all the Ivan Melendez. He's so good. I miss him so much in college baseball, but I hear he's doing well. Yes, he is. <laughs> so next up, we have the Jacksonville College Baseball Classic, which... All of these, of course, are classic. It's none of the yes. none of the new ones. All classic. This one, of course, is going to have Virginia, Iowa, Auburn, and Wichita State. Yes, this one. I'm so glad you put this on the menu, Stephen, because this is one that, um, like Round Rock, this is one of our our good friends at at, at Peak 
uh, events, Ryan Holloway and Nathan Woolridge. They're doing five tournaments this year. Last year they did Round Rock and they did Frisco. This year they're going to do five. Jackson is, they're calling it the Jacks Classic, which is a cool name. Um, this is going to be one of their five that they're doing this year. And I mean, man, Iowa, Wichita State under Brian Green now. Virginia is awesome. Auburn's awesome. This one is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't really see a world where I don't end up at that one. Um, it's yeah. just too many teams I like in one place. You're there. You are absolutely <laughs> there. You might as well go there now. Just wait. Yeah, just camp it out. Talk to the jumbo shrimp. See if I can get in. If not, I'm sure I can hop a fence. It'll be yeah. okay. You're in. You're in like Flynn. <laughs> now, next up, we got the Frisco Classic, which is Alabama. Then we got Arizona, Indiana, and Dallas Baptist. Which I feel like those are all teams that year after year have been on the cusp of being Omaha caliber. It's like every year it comes down to the wire for them of, okay, we're going to be the team this year. And I think this year it's going to be, it's going to be a year for at least one of these teams. Like I, I can imagine seeing at least one of these teams in Omaha. You said Indiana's going to that one, right? Mm-hmm. That's a really good team. Remember Indiana last year in the Lexington regional, and they, they were a lot of freshmen and sophomores. They were kind of young, but they, so when they got into that regional, I was like, ah, oh, that's good. You young team, get your feet wet in a regional. Next thing you know, they're pressing Kentucky bad. Like they really, they, they had Kentucky on the ropes. Now Kentucky answered the bell big time, but yeah, that's a really good one. And again, the, the five peak events uh, tournaments, Round Rock, Jacks, the Jacks Classic, Frisco, which you've got on here. They're also going to do one in Vegas, and they're also going to have um, oh one in Sugar Land. But anyway, what I love about these tournaments, Stephen, is you've got four really good teams, a regional format. You've got you know really awesome facilities. They don't do these in, in terrible facilities. They do them in awesome facilities. And the peak event guys run first-class tournaments. Like, you know it's going to be – you know just super well run so man that the jacks classic is my favorite in the clubhouse right now but that frisco one is very tempting i was at that one last year which was awesome yeah and i feel like not enough people talk about the winner of the carbach round rock classic last year ended up winning a, a few other tournaments as well such as i don't know the college world series that experience doesn't just it doesn't just fizzle out. It means something. And to be able to win in these environments, you're right with that regional setup is such a good precursor for a lot of these teams when it's like, okay, now we are in a regional and the stakes are higher, but we've played in this format before, which I just think is so valuable for teams to have that experience. Yeah. By the way, Stephen, you just you uh, used the word externality earlier in the podcast. That's an A plus. You've already used the Philip <laughs> the Phillips. What was it? What's the economic principle? The Phillips. The Phillips curve. <laughs> the Phillips curve was a couple podcasts ago, and then um, oh man, you just did something else very very smart. What was it? Was it a word? I, I lost my train of thought. Oh externality. gosh. I I got stuck on externalities. Oh well, Carbach, you nailed Carbach. Yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's a lot of practice. Word. That's an impossible word to pronounce. And um, yeah, so, so all four of those teams should have been regional teams last year. Kansas State was the only team that got left out, and they absolutely got job. They should have been in the tournament. So you're right, that Carbach Round Rock Classic was, um, it was a precursor to many good things in everybody's future. Yeah, absolutely. And for the last one, 
I, I don't have much info about the Sugarland Peak event. I'm sure. Do you know who's in that one by chance? It's not like it's uh it's like Louisiana Tech, it's Air Force. Um, it's not I can't tell if this is a new one or it's an old one, but it's uh Louisiana Tech, Air Force, Army, and Creighton. So, you know, obviously a big um armed forces type of theme there. Yeah, that works though. I, I like that they cool. stick with the themes. I, I did too. have the last the last option I had for you. We'll include Sugarland as well. I just hadn't found info on it yet. But the Las Vegas classic in Carbach, yes. which of course featuring Cal. I know you're excited about that one. I saw your tweet yeah. fired up about it. And they have Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Pitt. Man, that is a tough call. Um, I would say, Stephen, give me Vegas because I've not been to that park there. It's a drive for Coach Rooney. Um, you know how I feel about Cal. Caleb Loma Vita, their catcher, and RJ Green, their center fielder, both are top 50 picks. Um, send me to Vegas, please, Stephen. I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm going to try to do that same sales pitch to Kendall and KP, see if we can swing it because that seems like a really cool one to be at. I believe it's in, I think it's first weekend of March, which – I feel like I've never been to Vegas, but I feel like that's not too warm. It's not like peak go to Vegas season. Um, yeah. Again, I still don't great. know much about Vegas, but sounds like fun. March in Vegas will be awesome. Steven, you know what my dream is? My dream is for these the peak event guys to, to do a tournament every all 13 weeks of the college baseball season <laughs> because we have all these teams that are left with these stupid bye weekends because of finals or – uneven numbers of teams in their conference and let's just have the peak events guys run like a cafeteria style tournament every weekend for those teams so you don't get you know like i remember ucla a couple years ago they they played uc riverside who was coming off a really tough year and it cratered their rpi these tournaments peak events does their rpi proof i mean yeah that's that's my dream my dream I'm I'm right there with you i think that more games should be played in college baseball i realize a lot of games are already played in a short amount of time, but we can always squeeze in a couple more. Just expand the roster size a little bit. Also, fully fun to everybody. Unlimited scholarships, too, while we're at it, while we're making these up. And Amen. you can have four starting pitchers easily. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm in. Sold. Look, they just need to give us the keys to the NCAA after this whole lawsuit thing's done. I don't want that on my hands. Um, <laughs> again, still, I don't know anything going on in it. I haven't, I don't think any progress has been made yet, but, oh, I did want to, I did want to make one comment while we're on the topic and shout out the NCAA for doing a good thing, which is they passed a bill that for two years prior or two years post-performance, you get health insurance from the NCAA for any injury that you sustained as being a student athlete, That's which really cool. super cool. I, I was critical of the NCAA last week, but I, if you're going to be critical, you can also be good critical and yeah. speak positively sometimes. So I wanted to give them that, throw them that well bone because that's cool. <laughs> yeah, really cool. I like it, Stephen. Well played. Yeah, I mean, two sides to every coin. But yes. Another big thing that happened this weekend was the SEC announced that they were going to have permanent opponents where each school in the conference will have two permanent opponents for baseball 
that they will play each year. And Coach Rooney, I just wanted to get your opinion on this because I saw a lot of back and forth. I know Arkansas fans were very vocal about being matched with Missouri opposed to LSU. I believe they wanted the LSU-Arkansas rivalry. But I wanted to ask you, would you rather have the rivalry in kind of packed house series every year? Or would you rather have, you know, kind of an easier opponent kind of rolling into it? Because, again, from what I saw on the internet, a lot of people were like, okay, well, we... We'll take we'll take some easy wins, whatever. I know there's no easy wins in baseball. This is just what I'm seeing on the interwebs from every fan base. It's like mm-hmm. they're kind of in this dilemma of do we do we take the wins or do we have the rivalry series? So, Coach Rooney, I wanted to get your opinion, and see what you thought on this. Yeah, I I think I would take the easy wins because it's actually a it's it's fake. It's a it's a fake answer right like there are no easy wins as you said in the sec i will say this Stephen. when i saw this whole schedule thing i really couldn't even get that interested in it because it reminds me of how like the sec had the perfect regular season in college baseball 10 weeks no break for finals and i know they have 14 teams but you're going to play nine of the 14 and you know sec coaches will always tell us like who you don't play really can affect your season. Like there are some years where you don't have to play every great team in the league. And there are other years where you just get stuck playing everybody. And now, and and again, the SEC is the least mangled of all these leagues, right? But they still have 16 teams now. So think about it. You're going to play 10 teams. You're going to miss five of them, right? So you're, you're not, you're not even going to play 70% of the league. And then you're going to crown a regular season champion. I'm someone that still believes regular season champions are championships are a big deal. I mean, like there's still a clip on Twitter of Florida and Arkansas players last year losing their minds. Like they were the champs of the regular season, not LSU, who was the national champ. And so um, it's it's all a little depressing to me. It's a it's a bad um, like side effect of conference realignment. But um, if I had to answer your question, if I was in the SEC, I would like, yeah, give me the easier teams, even though I know like it's basically what you're saying to me, Stephen, is would you rather get hit by a golf cart going full speed or would you rather have an alligator bite your leg off? I mean, it's like, yeah, (laughs) the golf cart, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, the golf cart gives you a chance. I'm with you. I think it's just so interesting, like. The scheduling, you talked about scheduling being a nightmare early. This, I feel like, is going to lead to scheduling conflicts way down the road where it just doesn't make sense, where you get random teams playing each other at times where it doesn't make sense for them to be playing each other. Like, for example, say you open with Florida one year and then you're playing them the next game or you open with them the next year and just things like that where it gets all wonky and – I know the SEC based these off of geography, but I kind of thought of a potential solution that, again, it might it might conflict with some class schedules. But if you are a college baseball player, you typically are in this position right now where all the classes can be online. Yeah. So we we really we'll we'll push for the online degree throw your academics aside for a little bit we're going to be athletic students not student athletes for this for this segment but i like it you uh you only schedule games or away series with opponents that have another school driving distance from them so let's say you're let's say you're LSU and you're playing Ole Miss 
mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you play a, you play a series against them. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, drive the next day, <laughs> practice at. Did I say Ole Miss to start off? Yeah, no? you're starting in Oxford. Okay. Yeah. okay so okay, where start- are we going next? <laughs> then we're going to Mississippi State. We'll get there. We'll get there Wednesday, Thursday. We'll practice. Then we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we go home for a weekend where a team is waiting to play us and they will drive to whoever's closest to us. I, I think that's one way to do it. But then then we get into that 162 game span where you're playing every day. Could it's be a, a little wonky. You, you see why I'm not in charge of schedule. <laughs> nor, nor if anyone ever offers it to you, Stephen, don't even answer. Just run. Just I'll run. Just... Don't I'll do just it. Just throw whatever's in my hand down and disappear. pull the fire alarm. Yes, get out. Yeah, I just think it. I do not envy whoever is in charge of the SEC because it, people care so much that you know what you decide to have for breakfast is going to cause controversy, and that's so right. to have to schedule between sixteen different schools—that's nightmare, nightmare fuel. And I, I tip my cap to whoever's out there doing their best. Well probably dealing with a lot of hate for it. That's right. Passionate fans. Now, Coach Rooney, this scheduling based on geography leads me to my one last kind of question, last heavy hitter question of the podcast before we get into the heavy, heavy surprise questions that we have prepared for each other. Yes. But this is based solely on state and solely on like in-state rivalries, conference aside. Which state do you think has the most electric in-state rivalries when it comes to college baseball? Oh, man. Best in-state rivalry in college baseball. I think it's South Carolina and Clemson. I think mm-hmm. they are they those fans get after each other. They move the they move it all over the state. Um, it's awesome. I mean, you know, Mississippi and Mississippi state is another one that comes to mind. Um, this is a very tricky question, but I, just top of mind, I feel like South Carolina and Clemson, I mean, two great men like Jack Leggett and Ray Tanner were even getting in fights. I mean, it is, it is gnarly. So yeah, give me South Carolina and Clemson. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I had it bad when I played a Clem played against Clemson, had it bad when we played against South Carolina adding those two fan bases together at each other's necks. That sounds like pure anarchy. I'm here for it. I love that. And just to clarify, I'm not going for the best ever. That was just a general, which ones do we like? So no one be like, oh, well, our rivalry is better. That's not what we're saying. You can have a great rivalry. Just yeah, want to address ones. that. I, I realized I put Rooney in a vulnerable, vulnerable position there with how I phrase that. Don't want that to be the case. But I, I was thinking about it, and this question really came to mind because I was at Campbell, and I was like, what games, everywhere I go, I like to ask either coaches, players, or fans what game I should come back up for, like what game they think is going to be the best one. And a lot of them were like, honestly, come up for a midweek game against an in-state rival. That is when things are the craziest. And so – that's what inspired me. I think North Carolina has a lot of great ones. I mean, you get Campbell, ECU, anyone playing against NC State um, feels like an in-state rivalry game just because okay. that's how they handle it. But 
I one that immediately jumps out to me is Texas and Texas State. I loved watching them just on a random Tuesday. The Hill Country. Giving me so much energy for no reason every Tuesday night. <laughs> yes, that is, you're right. That As far as midweek rivalries go, that one is outstanding. Yeah, I remember last year, it was, uh, I believe it was Levi Wells who uh, got a save against Texas, threw up the horns down immediately. I believe, I can't remember if he won at That was Texas Tristan State. Snow, you're right. Oh, was it Levi Wells or was it Tristan no, Stivers? It was Tristan Stivers. Them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there was a single person not doing a horns down, which, I mean... That is the vulnerability you put yourself in with doing yeah. the hand stuff. But hey, look, you also get to throw horns up. So there's that too. Yeah, but that's right. I I remember, yeah, it was Tristan Stivers. You're right. I can't remember if they won at Texas or won at home. But either way, wherever they did it, they threw the horns down. Everybody was going nuts. Then Texas yes. beats them the next day. Everybody from Texas is going nuts. It's just... It is a pure rivalry, and I, I love it. I'm excited for those this year. I'm like yeah. thinking about those Tuesday matchups are kind of what I'm most excited about for college yeah. baseball this season. I love it. That's a good one. Sneaky, awesome rivalry right there. So good. So good. But, Coach Rooney, you uh, said you had a random question for me. Of course, our mystery question of the podcast. So, if you got it ready, I'm ready. Oh, for yeah. It. So, Stephen, I need I need your your professional opinion on this. Um, you know, we we know that that baseball players really care how they look. You know, and and I'm a believer, right? Hashtag look good, play good, right? I'm with. So, you. yeah. So, I think we all subscribe to that. Here's my question for you, Stephen: How do we feel about baseball players wearing high top cleats? I like it. I like it because. Did you ever when- do it? I would um, for the ankle support. Um, believe it or not, it is insurmountable, the benefit. The amount of times you roll your ankle in high tops compared to low tops, it's night and day. It's like you're invincible. I remember my very first pitch I ever threw in the Cape Cod League. There was a huge divot on the mound. I was so nervous I didn't even realize it. Rolled my ankle. Very first pitch. No. Low top cleats. I got high top cleats after that, and I remember my when I was. It was after high school, but before college. That summer, so my senior year of high school summer, I played with this gentleman by the name of Jameson McGrain. He was twenty five at the time, I believe, and he told me about how he rolled his ankle once his freshman year, and just did ankle workouts the rest of the year. And never got, he's never rolled his ankle since is what he said. So I thought of him after that and I did that. And then I was like, oh, well, I could also just wear high top cleats. And that kind of fixed it. But also they, they look really cool, which I think (laughs) is something that needs to be addressed too. I, I just really like the way they look. I think they look clean, especially, you know, with baseball, especially it's one of the few one of the few uniforms where you can look kind of piratey or like, I mean, high level baseball players, especially they're large guys. They got yes. large feet. So you kind of look like a cartoon character. If you're wearing like low top cleats with that are like tied super tight. Cause it's like a size 14 loafer you got on. Yeah. So I, when it comes to cleats, I was very specific in what I wanted and what I wanted to wear. 
I really liked wearing high top cleats. I also really liked wearing white cleats just because I thought I pitched better in them. Much like your anti-blue jersey. jersey. Yeah. yeah right. I was like, white cleats, La Flama Blanca, let's go. I, I'm with it. I, <laughs> I, I thought it was so cool. I thought I looked way cooler. I think the first... Sorry, I'm giving you... You got me, you got me off guard on this one in a good way. I think the very first time I saw high top cleats on a pitcher it was huge high top white jordans on alec manoa in the cape cod league and i remember thinking wow he looked really cool um i wish i looked like that on the mound because like just the way he looked struck guys out from time to time i mean granted throwing in the upper 90s helped um having a big league curveball and big league command helped but I, I think I was inspired by that. That was the outfit inspiration. And I was like, I wanna look tough. I wanna look I wanna look like a bad to the bone guy on the mound. Like, let's do it. What so Steven, what's your take on so I'll I'll insert my opinion in here a little bit. What's your take on high top cleats with your socks pulled up? I oh. actually think it's a terrible look, but it's so bad that it might be excellent. I, I think it kind of makes it look that accentuates how high the tops are, right. which I think kind of makes it look like you're where you ever play kickball and like have a kid go put a Timberland boot on because he thinks he'll kick it further. That's kind of <laughs> never played high level kickball. Apparently, <laughs> it's the aluminum bat power up. It's uh, <laughs> rolling his his boots in the hallway, getting ready for kickball. It did not get it did not get approved by our school nurse who was stamping the bats for the BB core testing. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But but no, I think it looks too much like you're trying to wear like a combat boot or like right. for Ronald Acuna Jr. It works because he's super fast. Um, like I think I I'm trying to think of someone I played with who would play with high socks and high tops. I think Chris Newell would do it. He would look cool, but that's Chris Newell. Uh, yes. I don't think, I think I would look like a pirate, like gone wrong if I did it. Cause you know, back when I played, my hair was long, my beard was long. I, it just wouldn't work for me, but I always liked Manny Ramirez's look of like the baggy pants. It's a little <laughs> slobbish, but it's like, Hey, I'm going to get the job done. That, yeah. that was kind of the vibe I was going for. Nowadays, it's a lot of like, you know, baseball shifted the pretty tight pants, which, hey, you know, if you got leg muscles, show them off, sure. I have kind of bird legs, so I wouldn't do it, but I, right. I'm glad I got out of the game before it was a lot of, like, hey, tight clothes are in. I will have to say Michael Lorenzen this year, because he's a SoCal guy, he's a Fullerton guy, he wore high-top vans with <laughs> cleats, and he had especially made, like, the high-top black vans, um, oh. with cleats on the bottom of them and they're just gorgeous i mean like that's a high top i can get up behind yeah i loved watching like cc sabathia in different jordans that he was pitching in i think those Ooh, just sorry. look so cool um ken griffey jr was another guy who his cleats like i i remember i always wore swingman cleats i thought they made me hit home runs um my stat sheet they didn't they didn't help me at all but they looked cool so that was definitely a good one i'm trying to think of like my favorite cleats of all time it's uh i want to say right. it was Ken a griffey jr those are tops. sweet 
Those are amazing. Ken Griffey Jr. though could wear my dad's penny loafers and make them look good in baseball. <laughs> like it was, he was so good. It it's ridiculous, like how much flair some guy, like the wearer of the shoes, adds. Like Ken Griffey has a line of shoes, like just regular streetwear shoes that I've always wanted, but I know I would just look like such a doofus in because it it like would accentuate my doofusness. But I <laughs> there's just God, you opened a can of worms in my head that I'm I'm gonna be texting you about cleats long until tomorrow. Please love that. <laughs> Can't wait. Of just different cool ones that I've I've thought of or seen throughout my career. I love it. Okay, well we this can this is a question that can have um future, you know, we we can we can parlay this into future episodes. We don't have to don't have to put close the book on it tonight. Good. So in general, I am for the high top cleats. Are you for, are you pro high top? I am not, but I am open to, uh, I'm not, I'm not open to them, but I don't hate them either. Like I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, the door is halfway closed, but I'm willing to look around and see, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded right now. I like high top is making a comeback in my mind. And so I'm, uh, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get my arms around it undecided. Hashtag go tops. Um, go tops. So, Amen. So that's coming. I got since, you know, next week's Thanksgiving, and I believe we're going to take a break. I have a Thanksgiving inspired question for you, which is Coach Rooney, do you have a favorite Thanksgiving food? Yes. Are you ready? Mm hmm. Tacos. Okay. So, so Jenny and I, my wife and I, don't typically get to see our families for Thanksgiving. We just kind of do our own thing. And so we've tried to do Thanksgiving meals, but for, for two people, it's just kind of ridiculous. And so <laughs> I actually make outstanding tacos. I'm not like a great chef, but I do really good tacos. So that is what I, I do every Thanksgiving. So um, like if I was doing a normal Thanksgiving with some with our families, like there's not a dish at Thanksgiving that I don't love. Corn, peas, bread, rolls, stuffing, cranberry sauce, like pumpkin pie apple pie ice cream like yes 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 you know like drinking an adult beverage at 11 30 in the morning yes like sure. everything about thanksgiving <laughs> sign me up for but for jenny and i doing our traditional thanksgiving tacos absolutely love that too oh my goodness i love that what kind of tacos do you go for is it just ground beef what what sort yeah, of so we do we go? We, we'll do like some type of organic grass-fed ground beef because you know jenny's diet is really um, particular and then we'll do the crunchy corn tacos got to be the crunchy shells oh. and then um, just a little bit of the seasoning in the ground beef when i'm you know browning that up and then we'll have some cheese we'll have some tomato i go really liberal with the taco sauce i mean really liberal with the taco sauce might sprinkle in some lettuce in there if i'm feeling like maybe i want to <laughs> pretend to be a little bit healthy might even do a little guacamole as an appetizer for when i'm cooking mm. um so yeah we, we are going to just absolutely compete we call them the great irish tacos that sounds phenomenal. I, I really want tacos right now, actually, now that, <laughs> now that you brought this up. That's funny. I, I'm a terrible cook. Like, the only thing I can make decently is tacos. It's Amen. It's all I can do. But I, I'd highly recommend just, like, Uncle Ben's Mexican rice. 
Like, or, I, I don't know if it's, I think it's their for Mexican the taco. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we don't do any for rice the tacos, tacos, but I'm open minded to that. If you want to substitute the lettuce for something, you know, that kind of tastes <laughs> a little bit better. That's what I do. Um, it's either lettuce or rice for me in the tacos and it's rarely lettuce. Lettuce does not win that war for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lettuce is, the lettuce is like my, you know, if we're doing a 40 man roster, my lettuce is like player 39. Like <laughs> he's not traveling all the time. It, yeah. I'm, he's not, he's not the Friday night tacos. No, taco sauce. No, no. No, no. Lettuce needs to know his role. <laughs> as long as he knows his role and you effectively communicate that as a coach, that's all that matters. See, that's the thing. I'm not even communicating with lettuce. Like he hasn't even earned, like I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not treating lettuce. Well, I need he's... to, I need to, yeah. <laughs> I need to help him feel more included. So it, so what you're saying is it's June and lettuce is still in the beige, beige blank t-shirt has not earned the number on the back no. or the front yet or the logo. Lettuce is checking his, yeah, he's checking his locker every day and he needs to be because he could, we could lose him in a heartbeat. <laughs> I love it. Well, Coach Rooney, I think with that note, I think you got to take us out. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, everybody. I want to remind you that college baseball is rad. Um, we may not catch up with you until the holidays. So everyone have a great Thanksgiving and we will catch you next time on the shock factor podcast. The shock factor podcast is part of the Sirius XM sports podcast network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcasts.